0: Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan Ostroff with Legalese Marketing and this is Exhibit A Attorneys where we interview attorneys and other experts across the country to talk about what it truly takes to be the Exhibit A of a successful attorney. Today, I have an amazing guest, Dan Lear. Dan and I have had a couple really interesting chats and I have, I don't want to say stalked because that sounds too awkward, but I have listened to his wisdom on several other podcasts through several other people. So for any of you that don't know Dan, Dan's the head of marketing and partnerships at Gravity Legal and the host of the Financially Legal podcast. Gravity Legal is the payments and money management platform for the small entrepreneurial mission-driven consumer-facing lawyer and law firm. And Dan's one of those guys that you can tell genuinely likes his job and genuinely and authentically cares. So that's why I'm excited to have him on because obviously if none of us get paid, we don't have a business. So somebody who helps us get paid and truly cares about it is always a good person to pick their brain.
1: Well, thanks for having me, Jordan. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, no problem. Um, I know you have a, a much cooler backstory than you gave us. So if you want to just talk a little bit about yourself before we get into the improving money management and accelerating your law firm's growth, who is Dan Lear?
1: Sure. I don't, yeah, I, I don't know how cool it is. Maybe it doesn't look so cool just because it's my story, but uh, I'm happy to quickly share it. So uh I'm an attorney by training. I uh, went to uh law school, gall, now almost going on 15, 20 years ago. Um just just super quickly as a side or or kind of a segue. I, I began in the tech sector actually working as a paralegal at Microsoft during law school. Uh and that really sort of stoked my interest in 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 tech and in the ability for tech not only to do amazing things in society, but also potentially help all of us do the work that we do as lawyers better. And so I worked as a technology attorney for a number of years, but very quickly got more excited about the tech stuff than I was about the legal stuff. And so uh, five or six years ago, took a job with the online legal marketplace, Avvo, where I did uh, kind of business development and evangelism and outreach and partnerships for them. I did that for four or five years worked on my own and then have been doing the gravity legal thing uh, for the last uh, gall. It's going on now almost two years or certainly, certainly deeply involved for that long, maybe more publicly involved for a year plus. Um, and we're building a, a financial management uh, and payments platform for, for lawyers and law firms. And obviously, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that, but uh, excited to be, to be spending my time doing that too
0: just love when you're like yeah it's not that impressive i only worked for microsoft and avo and <laughs> not not that i will give you total credit but the time that you left avo seems to pretty much line up with the time that avo became uh not as necessary <laughs> to here to be involved in so i
1: yeah i i still have a lot of friends there and a and a decent relationship with them um i mean i i, I will say uh it, it, and again i'm sure this is the world you live in you know it it's 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 and i guess uh, framing it in a different way it's google's world and we're all living in it um and so uh you know and i and i and i i wouldn't again i can't speak one way or the other but certainly the world of how people find things online is is and has changed dramatically even since the founding of avo um and it's always changing and that's what makes it both challenging but also fascinating i think
0: absolutely and so Uh, We're going to talk to Dan today about improving money management and accelerating your law firm's growth. After this episode, if you want to hear more, I highly suggest you check out our previous episode that aired last week where John Strohmeyer talked to us about the top ways to perfect your customer service. So John and I always go back and forth on this. I'm of the Grant Cardone. You have to get paid and have clients before you can serve anybody. So we're doing these uh, episodes a little bit in reverse order. So if you watch it that way, it'll make more sense. So Dan will help us talk about how to get paid. And then John John shared with us how to make the most out of that relationship. So when it talks to um, when it talks to, when it comes to money management, what are we actually talking about? Like from a law firm perspective, what is money management?
1: Yeah, and I know I sort of use that term, and I think that's maybe I don't want to say aspirational, but but I mean when when we think about technology or when i certainly think about technology and the promise of technology and i also think about the uh the type of work that you're engaged in and that's been a big part of my professional life in thinking about how to marry technology and law practice i think that one thing that that uh remains to be done is helping lawyers i think from kind of start to finish manage the money in their firm more effectively and more efficiently. And uh, right now, and, and you know, full disclosure, Gravity Legal is a, uh, a a part of a larger company, Gravity Payments, which we can talk about or not, which, which services a, a wide variety of different folks. But um, I, I say that to say right now we're focused on kind of payments. And that may seem like a very simple and, you know, maybe not that sexy and maybe even a stretch to kind of, pull that into management. But the simple fact is that, A, it's not really been that long that attorneys have had, and they still don't have entire free reign to accept credit cards and debit cards and, and electronic checks. And actually, I'll, I'll mention that some of the research that we've done and some of the research that we've been privy, privy to suggests that only about 25% of attorneys actually accept electronic payments. And we can talk, I know that it's, it's often a uh, it's, a, you know, the cost is a stumbling block and I, and I actually want to get into that because that's, that's one piece where we try to make it easier for folks. But when, when we think about all of the, the potential benefits, like even again, like drilling down here for a moment, the, the money management aspects of knowing how much you're going to get paid, when you're going to get paid, getting paid more quickly, knowing who paid you, like electronic payments makes all of that so much simpler and allows for all of that management, I think, you know, on down the line into uh, accounting and, and onward, to just flow so much more, more efficiently and more effectively. So, um, and I've kind of forgotten your question, but I guess I, I think you said you sort of asked about that term money management, and I was just going to say, a payments may not seem like management, but I think that's a key, crucial first step. And second, not a lot of attorneys are actually even accepting electronic payments. And so like we need to start checking that box and, and again, potentially overcoming uh, attorney's fears about costs or you know other things around it so that they can improve how money flows and move through their, their firms more effectively and they can run better and more efficient firms. So did that answer your question? To some extent. I mean, okay. my, my accountant
0: will tell you if no money ever comes in, the accounting work is a lot easier. So <laughs> that definitely needs to be part of the money management.
1: <laughs> For sure.
0: So what are some, well, I guess, I guess one, I don't know how you cannot accept uh, online or I guess uh, what do we want to call it? Credit payments, credit card. Sure. I
1: electronic payments is the umbrella term that we use, but sure. Call, you know, whatever.
0: I'm like genuinely impressed for people that were able to go through COVID without being
1: totally. Yep.
0: So what are, when we're talking about the getting money in, you know, what, what would be Dan Lear's, you know, five tips on getting that money?
1: Wow, okay. Do I have five? Um
0: if you've got I, less, we'll edit it later. Yeah, let's see.
1: Let's let's see if I can get I mean the the first is if you are a firm that needs to use your trust account, and this isn't even necessarily electronic related, but the the Clio Trends report is very clear that like if you uh if you use your trust account and you accept uh retainers up front, you actually realize uh more of what you bill. And and I'll talk about getting paid for what you bill in a minute but realization and and jordan i'm not sure how nerdy your audience is i will i listen to a few few of your podcasts but realization is actually the amount of time that gets written down on the timesheet so before you've even sent out the bill and started to worry about collections you're already improving your overall your firm's overall financial health by accepting trust account payments and and again that does fit squarely into our category because we we help firms do that electronically in a way that complies with the rules of professional conduct. So like, you know, there's, there's my little pitch, but like um, that is like, in my mind, step one is if you're, if you're in the business of accepting trust, trust account payments um, you should absolutely be doing that. Cause you're already going to get a bump just right out of the gate. So that's number one.
0: Well, having the money makes it easier to get the money.
1: A hundred percent. And it's actually really funny as I talked to some of my colleagues who came out of the payments world, but don't have familiarity with legal, they're like, there's no other industry that gets to take their payment up front, like before they've even earned it and then sort of bill against it. That's a really uncommon and really actually great kind of tool that lawyers can have if they deploy it effectively and efficiently. So I think that's number one. Number two, obviously, is making it easy for your clients to, to pay you. Um, And again, like, I know that that's, I'm, I'm pitching my own, my own thing here, but I mean, let's, let's just talk about COVID for a moment. Like we had early on, we, we actually launched kind of early in 2020. um, And we were, we were a relatively unknown uh, entity then, and (laughs) potentially now, hopefully now more folks know us at least, but we had a number of people call us up in kind of early to mid-March last year, more like mid, mid mid-March to early April in a fairly frantic state saying, you know, listen, uh, the good news is my clients are still sending me work. The good news is they're still solvent to pay me. The bad news is they're sending all of the checks to a lockbox that I physically don't have access to. So like everything's working in the firm, except that I literally can't get the money from my office into my bank account. And, and like i totally get again and you know we can talk about sort of cost objections that that folks use but like like just as a as a contingency as a backup to have some way in which you're 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 getting paid is is huge and then obviously there are, um there are all of the collections benefits that come with um uh accepting electronic payments you know you get you get paid faster from from our perspective the pl- you know kind of averaging out the firms that we see on our platform you know, before they come on board, often they have 30, 60 or 90 day sort of AR cycles. Whereas most of the firms that work with us get paid within 14 days. And we have some firms that get paid within two or three days. Um, they have really sophisticated systems that, that ensure that they get paid up front uh, or good. early.
0: Um, you're not saying that like when they send out a bill and it gets paid on Gravity Legal, it takes 14 days to get it. What you're saying is <laughs> the turnaround time for that firm from their end Is getting paid within 14 days
1: from the moment they send a an invoice out to their clients saying hey you owe us they've they almost always get paid within that 14 days 14 days Um,
0: and waiting 31 days and then having to figure it out and then getting a check and then having the check get returned and then who knows what else
1: absolutely and 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 just again you know i've seen this in some other businesses as well like the The faster you can, and again, the easier you can make it for your clients, uh, and maybe that's probably point three, but we'll we'll get uh, just just on this collections point for a moment the the faster you are and the more likely you are to get paid i think I think point number three is um make it easy for your clients to pay. Um, you know, and make sure you include a pay now link on your website. Make sure you and again, there's firms have all different strategies. I'm not going to you know i don't I don't like to get too dogmatic about it, but ensuring that you both kind of make it easy and convenient for them, and again, I think, in my opinion, offering them a variety of different options to pay you, uh be that again, credit card, debit card, or electronic check. I think that that is also going to facilitate your getting paid sooner and and and, and more frankly. So, um I gotta jump in. I'll give you some time to oh, yeah. the, the next one. I gotta jump yeah. in on
0: my, my one of my all-time favorite stories. Go for it. So I started out as a state attorney and then I went into criminal defense when I left the state attorney's office. And I wanna say it was maybe week two, week three as a private attorney when I had no idea where money was gonna come from. Got a got a lead from the guy I rented space from because of the following situation. They wanted me to go meet them in a park at the on the not so good part of Orlando. To accept okay. a cash payment from them. And when I looked at the charge, it was robbery with a firearm. And I was like, all right, I'm going to call them back. You know, you have a credit card, we can just do that. No problem. You can to the office. And they're like, no, 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 I can't find a ride. You got to meet me in this park. And um, I didn't go and I'm still alive and I can't (laughs) tell you those things are directly related, but there's a solid (laughs) chance that they are.
1: And your wallet is that much heavier for it too. (laughs) Uh, So I didn't get hired on the case. I don't know
0: if somebody else did, but um, would have been very nice to have been able to just have that, you know, nice size, uh, nice size retainer, nice size payment made through a credit card, but that was not a payment method they were willing to use. (laughs)
1: That's hilarious. Um, no, I think those, are, those would be my top three sort of use your trust account, um, offer electronic payments, and then make it easy for your clients and, and obvious for your clients to pay. There's probably a couple more, but I think that's a great place for us to start.
0: So I want to um, expand upon three a little bit. And look, I know you're not, you're not doing business consulting. We're not talking to people that they have to do this, but what no. are some of the places that you've seen people put payment links or things you've seen people give clients the opportunity to pay through that you think have been you know, potentially helpful?
1: Sure. So, I, I mean, I think th- I'm, I'm always fascinated and this is something we've been working on a little bit with our business and figuring out how to do it. I'm always fascinated by um, and actually I did a whole podcast and I think I wrote a blog post about it, too, with Allison Williams about whether or not you should um, charge for initial consultations. Um, I, 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 You know, in certain spaces, I mean, in P.I., I know it's hard to compete, but I have talked to, to personal injury attorneys who, who do charge for them. So, you know, I get that certain, you know, certain areas, potentially uh, the market pressure may be greater to offer them for free or whatever. But I think that that's that's one really interesting way that I've seen some firms. And again, it depends on what kind of firm you want to have and what kind of work you want to do. But that's one way that I've seen firms uh, monetize their time and monetize those client interactions more effectively. And I think that one way to do that is by effectively not letting anyone book with you or not letting anyone schedule. It, integrating that payments experience into the, the booking um, experience, and we've we've got an integration with Smith AI. We've got an integration with uh, more or less with Calendly or Acuity, so you can uh, you can do that. So I think that's been one really interesting option. And um, it's
0: amazing for you know, especially smaller firms. Like you can put your entire calendar on your website just yeah. gated by a two, dollars payment. And then, you know, if somebody wastes your time, at least they paid you for the waste of time.
1: Totally. And and that's not for every firm, like different firms like to do it different ways, but if you really like to have those initial consults or you think that's a really good opportunity for you to close further business down the road or have great face time with the client, I think that's a, a really powerful and important um, kind of way. Um you know, I'll 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 uh, I'll go a step further and say, while you know, while I've been preaching offering a wide variety of payment methods, and I guess this is this is kind of a this is an important point for certain practice areas. The other thing I I'd, I'd say is, you know, you don't you don't necessarily have to go whole hog, um, and I'll explain what I mean by that. You know, in diving into electronic payments, and you can also use payments as a way to um, you you can kind of optimize them both for your clients, but also frankly for your firm's benefit. And let me let me sort of talk about what I mean there. Um we've built some technology and, and we're not the only ones who have this, although I think we might be unique and legal, but but you know, firms can do this themselves without without us. We built some technology that enables firms to offer different types of payments to either their entire clientele or select clients. Um, so if you for whatever reason the, the classic example I've been thinking about is like, if you are doing a lot of initial consults, or if you're a high volume, low dollar value practice, um, you may want to offer as many different payment methods as you can, because you just, you know, you just want to get paid, you don't want to be chasing people for two or $300. But if you're a a practice that, that takes a, a smaller number of fairly large payments, you may just want to uh, only offer clients the option to pay, say, with eCheck. Um, which is a, a lot less expensive. ACH. Yeah, yeah, ACH. Okay. I, I never know which term people are most familiar with, but yeah, electronic check or ACH, um, which is dramatically less expensive than, than credit cards or debit cards, but still has most of the benefits. Again, you, know, you have to make your client find their account and routing numbers. And I think for certain clients of a certain generation, like even finding that information is a challenge, but it's a lot less expensive and for the firm and offers a lot of the same benefits of, of electronic payments. So I think that's another really interesting piece. And then I'll just kind of to, to, to round that particular point out. Um, bankruptcy attorneys are not permitted to accept credit cards. Uh, and actually we've been hearing some stories about uh, bankruptcy attorneys uh, who have been in kind of, I don't, and you know, bankruptcy attorneys out there, I'm gonna, I may miscommunicate this particular uh, kind of terminology but they bankruptcy is generally regulated by the U.S. bankruptcy trustee. And there have been some either investigations or some audits of bankruptcy attorneys um, who have accepted credit cards and they've had to disgorge those fees. And so ensuring that if you're a, a, a uh, bankruptcy attorney that you're taking permissible um, payment methods so that you can protect yourself generally, right? And that's typically either cash, obviously, or ACH or... Um, debit cards, uh, is I think really important too. So those are, I think some interesting ways that I've seen, uh, firms really sort of optimize that system, uh, for both kind of to improve their overall, uh, um, you know, business performance, but also kind of tailor it for their, their particular firm.
0: And I love, so you, you explained it that way. And all I can think in my head is like, dear bankruptcy attorneys, you are so good at your jobs that we cannot let you take credit cards because that's going to get forgiven when you get them right through the bankruptcy <laughs> and <laughs> don't game the system.
1: Well, and it's also to be fair, it's also because I think and this way and I I've not been a bankruptcy attorney. You may have I know Jordan you've practiced probably more law than I ever did, but um I think it's also just because they don't want to you don't want to add to the the creditor or to the um to the debtors kind of ball of debt. <laughs> In order to 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 try to figure out how to help them get rid of that, so I think that's another reason.
0: Now makes makes perfect sense. I've never done bankruptcy, and knock on wood, thankfully have never been a client on bankruptcy either. So
1: yeah, me too. um,
0: That was that was news to me, but it does make sense. You know, it's the uh, the flip side of that is do you allow you know like when you're doing a long scale investigation for a criminal client and it's all ill begotten funds do you allow them to use that for an attorney yeah so it's all it's all a balancing test we always get involved in the really interesting parts of society as lawyers definitely so what else about money management you know how else can we improve our money management
1: so yeah I'll, I'll, I'll mention a couple of different things uh, and and some of these are again things that we're working on today some of them are, are things that that we're thinking about and then and I guess I guess some high, high-level pieces I, I do want to I want to come back to one piece that I've been mentioning and sort of putting off that I just want to toss out there. So one reason that we often hear and 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 Jordan you probably as a lo- as a lawyer can appreciate this but also in in your in your efforts to to help lawyers market their practices one thing that that attorneys often balk at is is the cost of of payment processing. Um you know, rounded rounded it's 3% um, and and I'll talk about ways that we help bring that down. But one of the the technologies that we've built that we that we found clients really like is the ability to shift the processing fees for credit cards to their clients. And this might be a great kind of engaging your 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 Strohmeyer brain. This may be a really good, interesting place for us to have a discussion about whether it's a good customer service practice. We have some attorneys who love it, some who don't. I totally get that. It's not for every attorney, but for the attorney who's Kind of nervous about kind of diving in on electronic payments. This can be a, a great way to get started, where you effectively say to your clients, "Hey, listen, if you want me to pay for your airline miles, uh, I'm going to take a pass, but instead I will also offer you this uh, this option to say pay with an electronic check, um, and in ACH, where we'll pick up the tab, but it's less expensive. Yeah, you know, it's a little more work for you. You got to get your account number, all of that, but then you sort of find this nice balancing act and and what we find with with firms who uh, who, who reduce or who, who shift these fees is that it actually ends up reducing their monthly costs fairly dramatically. Um, you know, depending on the number of of uh, credit cards that they take, anywhere from fifty to sixty, even eighty percent sometimes. Um, and so that's a really good way for I think firms to kind of wade in slowly. Now, f- lawyer disclaimer: this is permissible in all but about six or seven states. Um, some states either have a state law that prohibits it or there's still a few states, believe it or not, that have a bar association opinion, many of which actually rely on an older ABA opinion, which has since been retracted, but I won't, I won't go there. I won't grind that axe. Um, but uh, so that's, I think, um, I think that's, that's one piece that I really wanted to to mention. I think uh, well, let me pause there. Questions, thoughts about that and uh, you you've been you've been great about jumping in, so I don't want to just keep rattling on.
0: No, I mean I might be the only one you talk to that likes credit card phase oh go okay
1: now I'm super curious. go ahead
0: so my standpoint is it's so much easier to automate them into a case management system into everything else, so I'm not worried about you know sending somebody to the bank to deposit a check. I'm not worried about somebody stealing cash or or legitimately having it you know, disappear, drop some, whatever. I'm not concerned about an e-check getting returned, you know, two weeks later after you've already filed a notice of appearance, after you've already hired an expert for the civil stuff, after you've already brought in, you know, my whole thing is like, yeah, it sucks for that, whatever it's going to be, one and a half to 3%, but you're spending so much time and energy the other way that just charge a little bit more and not worry about it, I think
1: you know and i hadn't thought and that's a really good point i hadn't thought about kind of the the internal firm dynamic benefits of it you know like as a firm owner of course you want to trust your employees but like also i hear so many nightmare stories about f- lawyers and law firms who have been ripped off by their clients not so many but i've i've definitely heard them and my heart really goes out to those attorneys who are just like trying to do their work and you know their assistant or whatever was was totally cooking the books and uh, I think it's really, that's like, that's a super compelling argument that I'd never heard where like, yeah, you know, I'm paying this little bit, but it like no one in the office ever even has to handle cash. Like that's awesome.
0: And not even, and, and not even just on the staff perspective, like let's say, you know, let's say a client comes in, they owe $4,000, they've got 3,900 in cash and they tell that to the employee and they hand the employee 3,900 in cash and then you take it and then you deposit it. And then the client says, no, I paid you 4,000.
1: That's what I own. Mm-hmm. Why would
0: I be a hundred bucks short?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, and then
0: it's like, well, what do you do? You know, you, you, you run back through with the camera you have in the lobby to count it out. Right. You know, what's, what's, what sort of receipt system. So now I will say to- in full, totally full disclosure, we do charge a credit card fee for a number of our clients, mm. mostly because Google will take my money at a hundred percent rate. So I can't give you a 97% bump for Google to take it for ads or Bing or Facebook or whatever else, but
1: fair um, enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um so yeah I think that's a, that's a super interesting piece that i'd never thought about and and it absolutely like that's that's a great way of thinking about it like it 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 Im- kind of improves your your automation systems it helps you with compliance and again, I think kind of going on to my next point I, I think thinking about having a very solid and clear kind of financial management and tracking system, and that doesn't necessarily have to be a technology in your firm. I have to say personally, and and we work with a few of these folks, but like, and and you can, Jordan, again, you can speak to to whether you do this in your businesses, but I think having an accountant or bookkeeper who's pretty comprehensively integrated into your firm is, in my opinion, a really, really good idea. Um, It just, that's all stuff that we don't want to do. It's stuff we don't, we weren't trained to do. And, and there's enough complications when you add in, if you are using a trust account, that it's it's just not it's just not worth it to to try to teach yourself to do that. So I don't know. Yeah, I guess you nodding.
0: Yeah, I mean, so you mentioned uh, Allison Williams. I'll mention Chelsea Williams on the. Oh yeah,
1: <laughs> the, love Chelsea.
0: Not just looking for that bookkeeper accountant, but really looking for like that almost fractional CFO. Totally. Because I, if you went to law school, anything like me, there was no financial background, there was no business background, there was no running a firm background. Um, and so it's really helpful, especially on the money, to have somebody who not only is looking at it, but also can give you, you know, that little bit of business consulting advice here and there on what to do with it, on what to do, who might, you know, who might see what credit card fees you're paying and tell you to shop around for a better rate or you know, something along those lines. It's those people end up being worth their weight in gold.
1: Totally. Yeah. And had Chelsea on my podcast. She was actually one of the first people we initially connected with. She's awesome. And, and I think that's one of the, the big value adds. Again, not, to, not to, to fawn all over Chelsea on your podcast, but uh, she, that is one of the value adds that she really brings is, and she likes to bring is to say, hey, listen, like you said, I can, you, know, you can find a bookkeeper anywhere. I can be your bookkeeper. But really what I want to do is provide you with some strategic insight about how you should be thinking about how money is moving through your firm um, that will be really valuable. If
0: you can, can you just uh, drop a comment, tag her on this? You can pull the uh, pull the clip about nice people saying things about her. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um,
0: so in terms of that improving money management, you know, the yeah. bookkeeper, the accountant, the CFO, getting some of those things in. You know, we talked about some of the benefits of the credit card payment, and the and I, I'm a huge fan of integrations, yeah, automations. You know, especially in getting paid, because you'll still have to spend that personal time with some clients. You'll still have to shake them down a little bit and grease some elbows, but if you can get that to be 10% of your cases, you save that much time, you spend that much less money. I can't tell you the cases where we spent enough in employee salary to more than cover the money that we didn't get paid from the client. So it happens.
1: Definitely, definitely. Yeah, the last thing I'll just quickly mention is, as, as we look forward, I, I really think, and you mentioned integrations, I, I, kind of we're building toward a world in which there's one or a legal world or a legal technology world in which there's a an increasingly hopefully smaller number of places where lawyers are spending their time um i don't like as a, again and you you know i'm sure you know this jordan like you don't, you as a solo or a small firm attorney or even a small firm's kind of office manager you don't want to be in five or six systems you know moving money in your bank accounting for it in Clio or wherever your practice management system watching, you know, moving over to Gravity Legal to watch the payments come in. And so as we kind of think longer term, we'd really love to try to build the infrastructure that helps all of that get tied together. And I say that not, I mean, that's how we're thinking and obviously that's our aspiration, but I would say even to to firms out there, and again, you mentioned automations and integrations, um, I think that's the kind of Mindset that, that lawyers should have about their whole practice and that that shouldn't not apply to finances. That, that and I, again, I love, I hadn't even thought about it that way, but I really love how you were thinking about credit cards, right? Like, yeah, this is a fee I pay, but it does so many other things for me um, in terms of automating my payments, in terms of helping me account for it, and you know, all of these things. Um, that it's totally worth it. And that's that's exactly the type of mindset. So that would, that, again, that's a little more amorphous, but as you're choosing accounting software, as you're choosing practice management software, as you're choosing, frankly, the bank that you work with, looking for options where those systems talk to each other more effectively and more efficiently, like that's the way we've seen law practice go, particularly for solos and smalls over the last few years. And I absolutely think that's the, the direction that financial services for lawyers should move.
0: Well, because you're going to lose that you're, – you're going to cut off your nose to spite your face in that situation. You know, you're like, all right, I'm going to save money if I have four different programs, but then it's like, well, actually, I'm not because I'm spending the time to, have, to make them manually talk to each other, or I'm bringing in Zapier, or I'm doing that, or I'm having a, a virtual assistant run a lot of those things. And then when it comes to hiring new people, I have to train them on four different programs, so now I'm spending that much more time to onboard everybody to make sure they're competent in it like I'm just I'm a big fan of you know one or two systems that'll get you 90% of the way is so much better than 15 systems that get you 100%.
1: Yeah. No, I agree. And and again, I think the the ideal world is which is one in which those maybe one or two systems increasingly do a number of different things really well and give you a lot of visibility into what you're doing. That's what that's what we'd love to 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 try to build.
0: So I wanted um, anything else before we transition into that, accelerating the law firm's growth side so the impact this money management has?
1: No, I think that's a great place to leave
0: it. So here, here's my quote for everybody. At least you've learned a bunch from Dan. If you remember nothing else that I said, that's totally fine. But here's what I want to try to not leave you with, but impact you with. There is no problem a business has that cannot be solved by more revenue whether that's hiring more people, whether that's turning cases down, whether that's bringing on extra help, whether that's charging higher fees, whatever it is, like you have to have that revenue coming in to be able to throw that money at every problem or prioritize your time or whatever it is along those lines. So I'm a huge fan of that impact that money management has on everything else. And now I want to kick it back to you for your insight on using that money to accelerate your law firm's growth what are what are your tips or insight what are some of the best things you've seen people do however you want to take this
1: yeah let's I mean let's let's really jump off from the money management and kind of payments piece because I you know flipping that around and looking at payments um kind of uh not as as a cost necessarily but as a way let, let, let's look at it from kind of two particular two 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 different ways so the first thing I want to kind of start with is uh, innovation and change, and that's you know that's the world I live in. I, I love technology. I love watching that landscape. So, if you think that's too buzzwordy, I apologize. But like, I you know often, and and I think to your point, Jordan, growth growth can come just by doing what you do better or doing more of it or getting the word out. And so I don't I don't want to I don't want to dissuade folks from doing that, but. Maybe, maybe let's use the word change or even just kind of personal growth as you think about it. Those kinds of things happen incrementally, right? Particularly if you're a law firm, it's not like you're going to go raise a massive funding round to like 10X your marketing. What you're going to do is you're going to find, you know, 10%, 5%, 3% more of, of, of revenue or of time or of opportunity in your business. And you're going to tweak and grow and kind of push and scale and so kind of taking what we were talking about and just pivoting it over to the to the growth side you know it, whether it's shifting the 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 fees of your credit cards to your clients or whether it's you know the perspective that you've got Jordan where it's like listen i'm going to get everybody on electronic payments and i'm going to free myself up 3% 5% 10% more of my time to start thinking about how i should change or grow or scale my firm i think that's kind of that, that's one of the things that that I've really been thinking about as we've been trying to, to, to equip lawyers with these tools. And then obviously, like one of our certainly broader initiatives is thinking again, how how all this stuff ties together. And again, you mentioned it, like integrations and automation. If you can figure out ways to sort of tie those systems together, what that begins to do is open up revenue in your firm, open up time for you to begin to think about where you want to sort of take your firm next. So that would be point number one is, Think about this stuff incrementally and think about kind of how can you find that additional, you know, again, you're not going to, you're not, I mean, maybe you'll be fortunate enough to double or, 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 but, but like, it doesn't need to be that big. If you can just find a little bit of time to sort of experiment and and try something new and try something different and and find a little bit of extra revenue to do that. That's how this stuff gets started.
0: So I was uh, reading this thing, listening to this podcast, whatever it was talked about, if you get 1% better every day, you are 3,700 times better over the year. Yeah. And it's just crazy. Those, you're absolutely correct. Those little things really blow everything up.
1: Totally. And so then I'll, I'll just share a couple of bigger picture kind of ideas. And one of these we've talked about a lot, and one of them is is a little bit farther afield. But I, I also think that... that um, and actually, let's start with the one that, that we haven't talked about as much, but that I think is really interesting. And I'd love your take on this too. Uh, Jordan. And actually, we <laughs> I do want to get back to the Strohmeyer conversation about customer service. So we'll, we'll, maybe we'll come back to that at the end. Um, I, I'm i a really firm believer that in, and I don't know, I don't necessarily, no, I think I will. I, I was going to say, I don't necessarily want to call it specialization, but I think I will. I'm a firm believer that 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 law firms and really businesses, particularly when they're small, are more likely to succeed when they focus on doing a relatively small number of things, um, you know, and I know out there I've talked to these folks. There are a number of of kind of small town general practitioner lawyers who by almost the very nature of where they've chosen to live or work means they get a, a fairly lar- wide cross section of different work. And I I acknowledge that those exceptions exist, but I think for a, for the vast majority or certainly a large number of attorneys um i i strongly implore them to avoid doing i don't know if you've ever heard this term uh door law
0: see we always called it threshold law but i think that's like uh, my law school thing everyone else calls it door law
1: (laughs) well or threshold feels much more like the legal term
0: right like oh door i
1: don't know but threshold that's very firmly established
0: (laughs) the 1700s southern yeah uh common law yeah no i I'm with you. I mean, look, from a marketing perspective, you have to have a niche. For the door law attorneys, your niche is your area. Your niche is your yeah, community, that's true. Your niche is, you know, whatever it is along those lines. For most of us, though, it's it's what we do, it's how we do it. And it's, you know, going a mile deep and an inch wide is gonna be a lot better ninety-nine percent of the time.
1: Totally. So that's my first admonition. And again, that doesn't doesn't really tap directly into what what we do, other than I will say the firms that we see find the most success often have or almost always have a really clear, even just a, you know, it's, uh, um, I think a lot about, and I know this particular name has some polarizing opinions around it, but, uh, you know, I think, I'm not even sure if I'm quoting it correctly. but uh, Peter Thiel, I think, once said, he's the famous lawyer and venture capitalist, like, What's the one thing that you believe that everyone else sort of disagrees with you on or thinks you're crazy about? And, and you don't have to go that far, but like what's, the, what's that one thing that makes you stand out, that makes you or your firm unique or different? It doesn't have to be a practice area, but like what's that thing that, that you're going to differentiate yourself on? I, I, you know I even think that's enough, at least as a starting point, to help sort of orient a firm around being different and unique. From, from other firms um, and again I, I, I say this just because these are these are the firms that I've seen find success are the ones that are have a really clear sense of identity um so that's that's the second point oh go ahead
0: no I, I love it because it's at the end of the day it is for the most part you or at the very least your firm and so the more that that is a genuine authentic core version of yourself the easier everything's going to be and the more impactful it's going to be
1: and easier to make decisions, you know, where do I want to focus my efforts? How do I want to invest? What kind of a firm do I want to build? So again, call it specialization, call it authenticity, whatever it is you want to do. But I think a, a real focus on on that instead of kind of being more reactive to what's coming in the, in at, <laughs> across the threshold, if you will, um, at you. Um, that's point number one. And then, and then we've talked a lot, a lot about, and, and this is going a little, a little deep, for kind of, I think, a high-level point, but I'll, I'll go ahead and go there. We've talked a lot about subscription legal services um, and how firms can do that. I was on I was on John's podcast actually talking about that. And I want to just take it up one level and, and kind of use that as a proxy simply for firms thinking about different ways to deliver their services, um, whether that's kind of pivoting to a flat fee model. And again, this this, I think, piggybacks really nicely on the specialization or kind of authenticity point is like, you know what is it that you firmly believe about the way that your services are delivered that's unique and different and how can you think about how to monetize that and and the other thing I'll say and then I'll definitely let you you jump in here jordan is what what I what I really do believe is that there is so much power and so much value in that specialization that once you become an expert in a particular area you really have i think A greater amount of flexibility to think about how you deliver those services and how you monetize them and so if if you get you know to be the best you know spousal immigration divorce attorney whatever it is you can a often charge more because of that expertise but b you can you can get really creative about how you offer those services in such a way that you know you start to you know use integrations and use automation and build systems that drive the cost for you to do something down while your ability to charge more for it is actually going up. Because again, you're the only person who does that. So, you know, for some firms that looks like subscription services or something like that. And I'm totally open to having that conversation, but I would just say, as you sort of think about this specialization, how can you think about delivering your services in new and different way? that allows you to both optimize that specialization that you get, but also build systems and processes that help you, that helps make it less expensive for you to offer those services.
0: You're speaking my language. I mean, that's, I I hate the billable hour for that exact reason. It puts you on the opposite side of the table from your clients. You know, they want it done as efficiently, effectively, and quickly as possible. And then you want to bill hours or at least your entire payment model is built around it. Whereas with the subscription model, or with flat, I I guess with flat fee, sure. the Subscription model. I mean, here's what Netflix does that I think lawyers need to do: Uh, not raise a bunch of money and then be in debt because you're making so many different products. But (laughs) Netflix doesn't sell you once. Netflix sells you every 30 days on renewing that subscription. And a lot of times with lawyers, like we have, we have one team dedicated to intake, and we blow the client away on intake, and then they just kind of simmer until the case gets handled later. And I think if you flip that script or you flip that mindset into how do I continuously sell this client on how amazing of a job we're doing or how grateful we are to have them or how, or convincing them, they made a great decision by staying with us. Those become repeat clients. Those become referral sources. Those become, you know, the, the backbone of your firm's success for the next 20 or 30 years.
1: And just piggybacking on one other thing that you said. And again, subscriptions does this nicely, but it's not the only model that can do this. Your, your 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 comment about how the billable hour puts you on the other side of the table from the client. Um, I just talk so often with attorneys. I've talked to a bunch of them on our platform or on our podcast who say, you know, subscriptions allows me to really dig in deep on a client. It allows me to educate them myself uh on their on their business. It also encourages them to come to me before things get expensive and blown out of proportion and and again it doesn't have to be subscriptions there's lots of other ways that you can create these these more valuable enduring relationships with your clients but thinking about how you do that i think is really important
0: love it so as we get towards the end here we're running a little low on time but um, anything else you want to make sure we cover or, or talk about
1: no, uh-uh. I, uh, I think, I think we've, uh, you know, other than, uh, then, and I'm assuming we'll get to this, just a chance for me to tell folks where they can, they can track us down. Um, yeah, absolutely. so we've got, yeah. um,
0: on, on the people watching it's on the comments, but obviously for anybody in the podcast, give us a little bit rundown of where to get in touch with you.
1: Sure. So, uh, uh, you can find us at gravity-legal.com. Uh, the podcast that I host, as you mentioned is financially legal. You can find that there at our website. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Uh, I personally spend a lot of my life on on Twitter, uh, and so you can catch me at uh, at Right Brain Law uh, on Twitter. Um, but we, you know, always eager to to chat with folks, and and if they have questions about some of the things we've talked about or or some of the ideas, always happy to 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 do that. So I think that's the that's the quick sum.
0: Wonderful. All right. So our next episode is going to air this Thursday. Excuse me. That is going to air at one thirty on Eastern, one thirty Eastern time on Thursday. It's going to have Lane Crawford, our director of words, talking about how you build your firm's voice through copywriting. Um, for those of you that have not had the opportunity to meet Lane, they are fantastic and awesome, and really dive into seventeen thousand different tones and voices for different firms to really hammer what fits that firm's culture, identity, etc. So I'm very interested to hear what Lane has to share with us about how you build your firm's voice through copywriting. Um, so that'll be Thursday, one 30 Eastern time. But Dan, before I let you go, I need that diamond nugget of wisdom. I know you've shared a ton and it could be something you've shared already. It could be something totally different, but what is your biggest piece of advice, your most important takeaway for attorneys so that they can be the exhibit A of a successful lawyer? Uh,
1: yeah, I think I'm going to just go back to this notion of kind of specialization and authenticity, understanding who you are, what you want to do, how you want to be in the world, what, what you want to accomplish, who you want to serve and how you want to serve them. And being really clear about that and, and being comfortable with it being maybe different or unique from what the rest of the world sees, I think is a, a hugely powerful and important way to approach uh, your work.
0: Awesome. Love it. Thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate it, Jordan. It's, it's been my pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Exhibit A Attorneys. If you're interested in becoming the Exhibit A of a successful attorney, please check us out at legaleasemarketing.com. E A S E